Hello, this is Dr. Harden, Executive Director of the Writing Partnership. I hope that you have been enjoying our podcast, and I would ask that you subscribe, and feel free to please mention this podcast to your friends and relatives. It's critically important that we allow people to speak for themselves, to give their story, their accounts, of what the writing partnership has meant for them. So please subscribe and donate as well. Please visit us at www.writingpartnership.org. Thank you so much. Okay. Good afternoon. Uh, this is Dr. Hardin. I'm the Executive Director of the Writing Partnership. And uh, welcome to, once again, to our podcast. We are incredibly fortunate um, to have as our guest today, uh, Metha Palmati. How'd I do? Did I do okay? Good. Metha Palmati. All right, excellent. Yeah, perfect. Perfect. Um, who is the uh, coordinator for the Writing Partnership um, group at Siena College in Loudonville, New York. And that group is called the San Damiano Refugee Group. And they have been doing amazing things. And I thought it would be a wonderful opportunity to hear about, um, about Metha's experience as well as um, what her history is, how she got here, and what do they have planned for the coming year? Because as colleges, everyone's going back to college now. And uh, I know uh, there are plans to um, have once again in-person meetings um, again. So I'm going to go ahead and turn it. So first of all, tell us, how did you get involved in the writing partnership? <laughs> so my freshman year of college, I was kind of walking around the club fair as one does. Um, and actually, I sort of knew Ife, who was a previous coordinator, like through various circles. And she like called me over to the table. She was like, you have to sign up for my club. And I was like, all right. Um, and so I signed up for it. I went to the first orientation meeting. And immediately, I was swept away because the president at the time was Shosho, who had gone through the program as herself as a refugee student in high school and then graduated high school and enrolled in college at Siena. And she was a senior at Siena at the time and she was now president of this group of students um, and really just working wonders within her community as to making education more accessible, um, creating friendships and mentorships and partnerships that were all so valuable. And, I, and she, throughout that whole presentation was like, I was built by this program and this is my way of giving back. Um, and the other thing that really stood out to me from that presentation was all the students were talking about how the difference between charity and empowerment and how you empower students to learn on their own, to have the confidence that they can keep going in whatever their dreams are and pursue whatever education or life that they would like for themselves. Um, and immediately I thought it was completely different than any sort of service that I had previously participated in. And so I went to the first session where I met my current partner through the program. Her name is Nilar Way, um, and <laughs> fell in love with her immediately. And we just became 
such close friends very quickly, but over the past three years, our friendship has grown exponentially, and she's such an instrumental part of my life, um, and her family really is just another, a second family for me, and That's I cool. couldn't imagine my life without this club, so... <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Let me let me back it up just a little bit. Tell me a little bit about you. So you are yeah, a student so, at Siena College. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I'm a student at Siena College. I'm now entered my senior year here. Um, I'm studying biology and political science. My family immigrated from India to the United States um, slightly before I was born. So my parents came here, I guess now 26, 27 years ago. Um, and I'm 21, so then they had my brother and then me, um, and I grew up in a small town called Westford, Massachusetts. It's about 40 minutes north of Boston, um, and it was a decently diverse town, um, but not nearly as diverse as Albany, and we struggled with a lot of various adjustments to school, to culture, and so to an extent, I definitely identify with a lot of the struggles that our students through writing partnership go through. Um, and it gives me a lot of great perspective in working with them. Great. So, and, and towards the end, I will ask you about your future plans as well. So just, okay. you know, okay. So we're going to kind of begin with you and then we're going to come back to you at the very end of this. So okay. tell me about that, that first year when you were, when you were involved with writing partnership. Tell me what, a little bit about that. Do you have any memories that kind of stick with you? Yeah, I have so many. Um, I think my favorite times that first year um, were really when we played games after our sessions. Um, and so the kind of structure of our sessions that we've tried to maintain and, you know, has changed a lot with the pandemic, but hopefully we'll be able to return to it is that we would start out with like sharing a meal together. So we'd eat dinner together, check in on everyone, how everyone's week was going. Um, and then we would work on homework together, whatever kind of needs our students had at the time. Um, we would help them with whatever they needed. And then, so it could be like college prep or anything like that. Um, and then we would transition to like a fun game at the end. Um, and we would play like name games. Um, we have this one game where you had to like pick an opinion and defend it. So it would be like apples or oranges. You have to pick one and like adamantly argue which one was better. Um, and just like silly things like that really allowed us to form fun, good friendships. Um, yeah, so all of those memories were wonderful. <laughs> Okay, that's that's awesome. That's awesome. So uh, you you mentioned about the difference between kind of charity and empowerment. Tell me your thoughts on that. I mean, tell me a little bit about how you've kind of grown to understand that over the last couple yeah. of years. Yeah, of course. I think charity is often something that we feel needs to be valued within our society. And I think it's a lot easier for us as individuals to contribute to a charitable acts. So things like donating money, donating clothes, um, you know, kind of like trying to fulfill a need through a way that doesn't necessarily involve or implicate your time as much. And so I think that's the reason that a lot of 
society, American society participates in charity because it's easier. But empowerment is building someone or something that can self-sustain. So it requires a lot more attention um, and a lot more care. So for example, if Milar, my writing partnership partner, asked me for help on her homework, charity would be doing the homework for her. It would be reading through the questions and understanding them and telling her, oh, these are the answers, or this is where you find the answers. Empowerment would be, all right, Milar, let's focus on which parts of this are hard for you, and let's figure out how you can come to the answers by yourself with additional resources and additional support. And I think within the Karen community, what our club really is about is cementing and building confidence within each of our students. Because I think the largest growth that I've seen from every single one of them throughout their time in our club is the amount of comfort that they feel in themselves and the amount of comfort that they feel within their new community. Um, and so really just building and fostering an environment in which they feel like they can achieve what they want to achieve, that they have the confidence to keep going. Um, that's really what empowerment is about because no one can be a part of charitable acts forever. You can't continuously give money, and give money and give money to someone who's impoverished without helping them understand how they can grow to do and pursue what they would want, like to pursue. Oh, that's very, I, I like that. Thank you very much. That, that's lovely. Let me ask you this. So, um, so obviously during the time that you were involved um, with, with this and continuing this year, there's been a lot of changes, right? There's, there's globally, there's been a lot of changes and there's been a lot of uh, trauma globally. Um, and so I want to talk a little bit about transitioning from the in-person meetings, what you were doing, right? to going uh, virtual. And, and if you can just kind of walk that through, you know, with me a little bit in our audience about, yeah, yeah, about that process, what that was like, what were the positives, what were the negatives, uh, you know, how did, it, how did it come together? I mean, obviously it did come together. Um, and then I have, you know, listened to some amazing things uh, coming from students, but I just kind of want to hear your take on that. Yeah. March 2020 hit and the world was getting shaken and we were all sent home from college. And at the time I was vice president of the club and Paul McFarlane, who now serves on the board of writing partnership was president of the club. And very early on within like, we had spring break. And then that next week, very early on, we had been communicating within our group of coordinators um, about how we didn't want to let our club die. <laughs> And I remember like having a few text conversations with Paul where we very clearly highlighted the fact that like our club and the support that we provide would be needed more than ever before um, during that time period and how it would honestly be a disres disrespect to discontinue our club just because the pandemic hit. And so like a bunch of other things we learned to adjust. And what we did 
was writing partnership has always been about individual partnership. So traditionally, we pair a singular Sienna student with a singular writing partnership student. And those two people will work together and form a bond. Um, and that just really cements like great friendship, but also like the availability to like tutor someone in their specific needs and like help them with what they specifically want or are going through. And during our in-person sessions, that would be kind of variable because Sienna students couldn't come all the time or writing partnership students couldn't come all the time. So you would kind of pair with whoever was there. Um, during the pandemic, so one of the first things we did was create like permanent partnerships. Um, and we assigned partners like very quickly and very specific partnerships. So um, a writing partnership student knew and was comfortable reaching out to the Sienna students that they were paired with. Um, and then we transitioned all homework time, all tutoring help to like full time. So a writing partnership student, if they were struggling with something, could call their Sienna student or text their Sienna student and say, hey, I need help with this right now. Or I have an assignment that's due tomorrow that I need to work on, even though it's not Thursday night. And I don't know how to navigate this new online technology that I've just been given, or I don't have good Wi-Fi access, or I don't, the mic on my laptop isn't working and I need to record a video, or things like that, that just, all of a sudden we're so much harder for students during remote learning, and especially for our current students, for our writing partnership students who like, do not have as much practice with online skills and did not have as much access to the things that were necessary for them to perform remote learning. And so we had full-time help. My refugee partner, Nuar, would call me like every day. <laughs> and I loved it. You know, it was, it was lovely to be able to work with her in that capacity and in that level of detail. Um, and then Thursday nights, what we would do is we would have a two-hour Zoom together. Traditionally, our sessions met in person from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. on Thursdays. And so we would Zoom during that time. But what we really recognized very quickly was that what we needed to build was a sense of community. That is what we needed to maintain was a sense of support and boost everyone's morale because everyone was so sad. We were all home, alone. Some of us weren't with our families. Some of us couldn't leave the house. Some of us like had COVID. <laughs> so everyone was just in really low spirits. Um, and so what we did with those two hours every Thursday night was we would just have fun. And we would play Pictionary. We would play Cahoots. We would do charades over Zoom, all sorts of like weird, creative stuff. You name it, we tried it. <laughs> Um, and we were like that for a, a good amount of time until the next school year came. And then when the next school year came, we kind of transitioned into homework help being on Thursdays. Um, and we actually, with the coming school year, a lot of schools um, assigned a lot less homework because remote teaching, remote learning was just so difficult to transition to. And so what we did, what we really focused on, especially when our refugee students didn't have homework, um, was writing exercises. And so we have a wonderful few coordinators um, who I'm going to name Connor Krenzer. Um, Connor, oh gosh, I'm blanking on his last name. Connor Krenzer, Connor, his last name starts with an M. <laughs> and um, Nathan Simmons.
all work together and they would create like different writing exercises for us to do. So it was like a section from a book that they would read and then we'd have discussion questions at the end or a writing prompt. So they would give them like a little like kind of something, a summary that they could practice writing. Um, and that would really engage like the intellectual side of a lot of our students' brains that like maybe they weren't using as much um, with remote learning. And it would also give them a chance to practice their reading, writing English skills, which at home, a lot of them don't speak English regularly. And so giving them another environment in which they could practice that skill was really important. Um, so we transitioned to that for a while and we continued to have fun over Zoom. So we would do like an hour of academia, an hour of silliness. Um, and that was, those were our sessions until the end of last spring. And That's so now great. we're hoping- Let me, let me stop you there. To, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Let me stop you right there. So here's what I'm hearing from you. And you tell me what, what your thoughts are and see if I'm hearing you correctly. It almost sounds to me like switching from the in-person to the, to the virtual during the pandemic really almost deepened the commitment. Yeah, no, it fully deepened the commitment. And what we found was the Siena students who were willing to participate were so much more committed to their partners than they had been when we were meeting in person previously. Um, and we had a smaller club. We had fewer Siena students participating, but the dedication was astronomically higher. That's great. Now, I also know um, that you did something really special around a couple times, uh, I think around the holidays, and um, I think a couple times uh, at other points of the year, that you did something that you, you got some people together and you sent something out to all of the refugee students. Can you tell me about that? <laughs> yeah, so um, I guess like April, early April, 2020, 2021, sorry. Um, New York State made everyone 18 plus eligible for vaccination um, for, for the COVID vaccine. And immediately, like everyone in my in our all the Siena students in our club so desperately wanted to meet in person with our student, our writing partnership students. Like it had been like think about this. We've had a year and a half of building like really strong, genuine connections online, and we couldn't see these people in person. And they lived down the street. <laughs> and it was like like this desperation of like, we have to do something in person. We have to meet our partners like at least once. And I knew that if that was going to happen, it needed to be safe. And the way to make it the safest was to get us all vaccinated. <laughs> and immediately, like when we started talking about that at our like Zoom sessions online, there was like some skepticism among um, the writing partnership community among the refugee community in particular. And there were so many questions like, will this vaccine affect me differently because of my ethnic identity? Um, will this vaccine like hurt me? Is this something that the government is giving out um, with malintent for people of color? Very legitimate and very sad concerns. Um, and immediately we started working to mitigate those concerns. So we started talking about the scientific backing behind the vaccine, how it was accessible to everyone, how it was free. That was a huge part of it. I had 
so many students ask me, are you sure it's free? Like, do I need health insurance to get the vaccine? And, you know, to a level, I think there was just a lot of miscommunication and a lot of misunderstanding about it. Um, but eventually <laughs> we got, I, I remember our first student to get vaccinated was Sarah Wee. He was the first person to say, yeah, I'll do it. And I took him to the Washington Avenue Armory and we got a shot. And immediately after I was like, we have to tell everyone about this. So <laughs> we took a selfie of him and his vaccination card and we sent it into our group chat. And then slowly, slowly, all of the other students um, started wanting to get vaccinated. And I would try and mitigate as many barriers as possible. So that meant providing transportation. That was a huge one. That meant providing cell service so that a lot of our students who were under 18 when um, 16 plus became eligible and then when 12 plus providing those students cell service so that they could get verbal consent from their parents over the phone when we went to go get vaccinated. Um, making sure that we were at sites that had translation access if needed or making sure that we brought current students with us who were over 18 who could translate over the phone. Um, that was a huge deal. And it, it was just, there were so many barriers to them receiving this shot that should have been accessible to everyone. Um, and so I and a few other Siena students um, really, really worked to mitigate all of those barriers. And we would, every time we brought a group um, or even just one of our current students to get vaccinated at a mass vaccination site, we would send a picture into our group chat. And the next thing I knew, I had four more students say, hey, can you help sign me up? Um, can you help me make an appointment? And I would go through the online form with them and ask them all the questions, and then I would bring them. And over the summer, that actually transitioned into like a kind of different way, which I thought was really wonderful, where like students would ask me, hey, like my mom wants to get vaccinated now, or like my little sister just became eligible to get vaccinated now. Um, could you help us make an appointment? <laughs> of course. And it was a lot of that same, like, navigating online systems. That's just really difficult for this community in particular. But that That's was awesome. a really, really rewarding. Yeah. I mean, that, that absolutely is awesome. Um, absolutely incredible. Um, and then there were these little personal things that you did. Like, for instance, I, again, heard this uh, from some of our refugee students about how they got packages oh, yeah. in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tell us so about that. Actually, I don't even know why or how this started. I think this was um, the idea of a few of our coordinators um, who really just wanted to like give our students a welcome because we were in the Albany area. They lived down the street, but we couldn't see them. So like, how do you show someone that you care about them when you can't be there for them? Um, and they had the idea to put together these care packages of like goodies and notebooks and pens and pencils and we would do themed ones so like St. Patrick's Day we threw like green necklaces in there and like funky hats and stuffed animals and all sorts of silly stuff that was just like we want you to know that we care about you and I had a few drivers um, and we would all go around Albany and we had like little routes we would go around and drop off all the care packages and for Christmas, we actually, traditionally, um, during non-COVID times, Sienna students host a Christmas party for our writing partnership students that's in person. 
and everybody gets gifts. Um, and Christmas within the Karen community is a huge holiday as well. And so this year, we weren't really spending our budget on a whole lot. And I was like, you know what? What if we just splurged and got everyone really nice Christmas presents? <laughs> so I, our Sienna partners like really just went above and beyond with this. They knew their partners so well at this point in time that like Andrew was like, oh, I want to get my partner Plo a skateboard because he's been saving up for four weeks to buy a skateboard. And so we got him a freaking skateboard. That's great. Um, And it was wonderful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it, it sounds to me, again, what I'm hearing from, from your um, description of this is that in a sense that really came out of this deepening relationship um, with, yeah. during the pandemic, which I think is, is yeah. amazing, is amazing. So let me, um, let me do this. Uh, let me ask you a couple things. So you said you're in your senior year. And uh, which means you'll be graduating and you'll be moving on. Um, What do you think is going to be something, if you can distill for us one or two things that you are going to take with you uh, when you leave um, Siena College and and go on and become a uh, major successful uh, individual in life, um, what are you gonna What are you gonna take? What are you gonna take with us? Um, what are you so, gonna take with you from this experience? Yeah. So I guess my career goals um, are that I'm I'm looking to pursue medicine. I'm hopefully going to be going to medical school after I graduate, and I want to become a healthcare professional, specifically for people who don't have as much access to healthcare as they would like. And the Karen population that we've worked with so dearly over the last three years um, is one of those populations. So really, I've learned so much about what barriers to healthcare can look like. And it's not even always in a healthcare setting. Obviously, with the vaccinations, it became really obvious what those barriers were. But also, like, a lot of health is just someone feeling like they belong to a community, someone feeling like they have support, um, someone having access to education, someone, someone being happy, you know? Because when you're happy, you can deal with a lot of health things better. Um, and not everyone has access to support circles that can give them that happiness. And so I think like as, a, as someone who eventually will be serving communities like this, or maybe this community in a healthcare setting, I think being really aware of all of the factors that contribute to someone's happiness and someone's healthiness um, and how far reaching all of those various parts of their life can be um, is something that I will definitely take with me. And then the second thing that I will take with me is a little simpler, but a lot more serious, I think, and that is just pure, genuine friendship, because over the last three years, I've formed the best friendships of my life with our refugee partners, also with our Siena students. We just care about each other, and we care about making our community better in any way that we can, and I hope to continue to form 
as genuine, kind, and deep relationships as I have through this club in every part of my life. And I think that, in particular, my partner in ULR has taught me so much about that and so much about what it means to welcome someone and make someone feel like they're at home. Wow, that's amazing. I, I, I don't think you can put it any, uh, <laughs> any more profound than that. Um, <laughs> that. That's amazing. Thank you so much for that. Um, and uh, so you're about to transition back into in-person meetings. Yes. which is amazing, right? So can you give us uh, 30 seconds of, of what you think you might have planned uh, in some of your in-person meetings? What are you thinking about? Yeah, so in-person, um, we'll be transitioning hopefully back to our like more or less um, same routine of sharing a meal together, doing homework help together, and then moving on towards like little games at the end to wrap up. And we're still keeping our same meeting time. So Thursdays, 6 to 8 p.m. at Bishop McGinn High School. Um, and just fulfilling any kind of new needs that arise with our students transitioning back to in-person learning. Um, this summer, I had the privilege of going to the Karen wrist tying ceremony. And I got to see a lot of our students there. And I was like, are you guys coming to writing partnership in person? And they were all like, yes, we need so much help. <laughs> and I was like, what's That's going awesome. on? And they were like, we're so worried about school being in person again. And so I think fulfilling whatever needs just arise um, in that setting will be so valuable. And then, of course, we're always going to do our fun, silly stuff. So um, we want to go to an apple orchard this fall and then Maybe we have some um, secret plans to do a bigger field trip um, in November. So hopefully we nice. will be able to do all of those wonderful things and just have a good silly time. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. That's absolutely wonderful. Well, listen, uh, I know that you are back at college and that classes have started. So uh, I am going to, first of all, thank you so much for being here today. Um, secondly, thank you for um, rising to the occasion um, over the last several years and, um, you know, just listening, uh, listening to hear you articulate what uh, you have learned and what you are able to, to uh, articulate about the writing partnership. Um, is is incredibly gratifying to me. And I cannot wait to see you go to medical school and become a super physician um, because I'm sure that you will be. I, I have absolutely no, uh, no doubt in my mind. So I just want to thank you um, for me personally and on behalf of all of the, the, the Corinne and the other students who have come in and through our program. So I just want to thank you once again. Thank you so much, Dr. Harding. All right. Thank you. And listen, go and have some fun. And we will maybe bring you back um, after a few times when you've gotten a chance to, to meet with your students in person. Maybe we can get you and your partner together on the, uh, on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I love that. All right. Thank, thank you, you so much. Bye-bye now. Bye.